Hello, welcome to Irrepressible. I am Erica Ashley, your host. Oh, you guys, this week is a lot. It feels like a lot. There's a lot going on in the world. There's a pandemic. There's an election. I feel overwhelmed. I feel anxious. I feel stressed. I don't think I'm the only one feeling like that. So I thought, what better than to talk about mental health on the podcast this week? I had Melissa Folks. Um, come on, she's a marriage and family therapist. She specializes in mental health and anxiety. I think she has a really unique perspective into the mental health world because before she got into therapy, she worked in social media management. And I think social media is the root of a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of opinions. There's just a lot going on on the internet. And it can be really hard to drown out that noise and get back into your own head. And so I think it's her having that background is just really unique. Um, she gives a lot of really good tips and tools if you are dealing with anxiety. Also, if you're not dealing with anxiety, but maybe you know somebody who is, there's also tips and tools for you. I really wanted to make sure we talked about that because for me, one of the hardest things about dealing with anxiety was the fact that most of the people around me don't experience anxiety. And so when I was anxious, nobody really knew how to help me. And oftentimes they ended up making it worse and it's through no fault of their own. It's just, you know, the resources at the time that were available were few and far between and we just didn't have the tools. They didn't have the tools. I didn't have the tools to express to them what I needed. Um, so I get really passionate about this now because I just feel like knowledge is power. I don't think that mental health is talked about enough. There's such a stigma around it. Um, I think that Melissa was a really good resource. I asked her a ton of questions. I have a lot of questions when it comes to mental health and anxiety. And, you know, she gave it to me pretty straight and I appreciate that. And with that, let's get into this conversation because it's a good one. So I grew up in New Jersey. Um, went to school in New York City for my undergrad. And right after undergrad, I wanted to move to LA. So I moved to LA um, and I've been living in Los Angeles now for a little over five years. Um, what brought me out here was I was working in radio um, majority of the time during my undergrad. And I had done an internship out here in LA going into my senior year of undergrad. Um, and I, I didn't actually want to go back to school. I wanted to stay here and work, but my parents are like, come on, you have one more year. So I'm back finished. And then that's why um, that exact job actually brought me back out to LA. They were like, go finish school. We'll be here. If there's a job, we'll let you know. Well, there was a job and brought me back out here um, after that summer of 2015. And I've been out here since, and I worked in radio up until 2017. Um, and then I left that industry and was doing social media management, um, my own business with tons of different small businesses, influencers, um, gosh, you name it, all over the board. 
and at the same time went back to school to get my master's in a totally different um, lane for marriage and family therapy. Um, and I actually just finished my program this past weekend. So that's amazing. Waiting. Thank you. I'm waiting for my degree, but I guess you could say I'm, I've gotten my master's. <laughs> that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. So what made you, well, first of all, what was working in radio? Like, I'm really curious as to your experience in that. It was a lot of fun. You are in a kind of a world that's never off. Like think about your radio, always on. So I worked the most obscure hours. Uh, My senior year in college, um, I worked from midnight to I think two in the morning or maybe 10, no, 10 p.m. to two in the morning um, doing that. Um, I was producing an overnight show. And then when I moved to LA, I was on and producing a morning show. So my hours were like 4 a.m. to noon. Um, so it's always on, a uh, lot of energy, you meet a lot of different personalities, a lot of fun, but a lot of work and becomes very taxing, as you could imagine, if you're always on and have to be alert and creative. Um, so it has its perks, but just like any job, it had its drawbacks. I'm sure working hours like that wasn't easy on your body either, like with your circadian rhythm and everything. Did that yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, I think it caught up to me because, you know, when you're, I mean, I'm still young. I'm in my upper 20s, but back then, I mean, I was in college and I was like, you know, you think you're invincible. Like, okay, I don't need to sleep. I don't need to eat. Um, you're drinking, you're going out. So I think it caught up to me later in life. I definitely felt it. Like I'm reaping the um, negative of that now. Um, but yeah, it definitely impacted it, whether I realized it at the time or not. Mm-hmm. So then from radio, you went into social media management. Yeah. So I had done that on the side and then I made that my full time gig. What made you want to do that? You just liked it better than the weird hours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I actually got pushed out of radio to be fully transparent. Um, my position was no longer needed and I kind of got, it was kind of a dirty play how I got pushed out, Mm -hmm. but it's one of those stories that I look back and I'm like, everything truly happened for a reason. Um, I'm glad it happened. And luckily I was doing something on the side. So I was able to kind of make my side gig my full-time hustle. Mm -hmm. What is social media management like? I think there's, you know, that's like a newer space. Yeah, it is. It's it's weird to say that is my job because it is. And even when I have new clients contact me, they're like, what do you do? Well, I'm a chameleon. I can do anything. So it kind of depends what the client wants. Um, I am super creative. So I can do anything from content creation, which would be taking pictures for an Instagram feed or um, copywriting, which would be captions for posts, um, scheduling. A lot of big companies aren't you know, opening their apps and posting live. Everything is scheduled out and very planned. Um, so a lot of my clients, they do work like that. I do ghostwriting for blogs, um, creative kind of like concepts, like thinking of, all right, you know, you're pairing with, um, or partnering with a brand or a company for my influencer clients. Okay. Well, how can we take that partnership with that brand to the next level? So thinking of, all right, like, this is how we're going to shoot the campaign. This is what we're going to write about and position it. Um, so every day is different there's not like a set job description. It's like, all right, 
someone comes to me, this is what I need. I'm like, all right, I can do that. Whether it be running ads or thinking creatively, um, I definitely have to think quick on my feet with it. That's so cool. And I'm assuming not everybody needs the same things in social media. So you kind of have to know how to do it all. Yeah, you do have to know how to do it all. Um, Yeah, no one wants the same thing. I can have people come to me and say, hey, I have all my content, um, you know, beautiful images. They had a graphic designer make things, but I don't have time to post it on Instagram. Or how do you make a beautiful, aesthetically pleasing feed? Or how do you get followers? I definitely spend a lot of time in the Instagram space. Um, as that has been kind of the top marketing social media platform, but yeah, everybody wants different stuff because everyone's at different levels or different industries. Do you work in TikTok too? Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Like I had heard about TikTok, and with one of my social media clients, we went to the headquarters. Gosh, over a year ago now, she was the app was Musically before TikTok, mm-hmm. and she was involved with them and doing a campaign. And I kind of thought to myself you know, what is this? Is this going to become anything? Like, and I, I support everything she does. She's a really great creative mind. So her and I work really well together and I was backing her up. And I mean, during quarantine, I think it just exploded. Like people were on there being creative. So she kind of had the leg up, which then gave me the leg up. So I was already exploring the app and, you know, on it as a consumer, posting as a creator, um, managing as a social media manager. So now when I talk to potential clients or even my current clients, I kind of push TikTok now because I think there is a lot of value on that space. Really for no matter um, like what your, I guess, genre is for better, lack of better word, you think everybody could be on TikTok? Oh yeah, I don't think it matters what you're doing because the feed curates to your preferences. So if you're tapping on fashion, you're gonna see a lot of fashion videos. If you're top, tapping on Disney, you're gonna see a lot of Disney stuff. So you start with kind of a generic and it gets more specific. So I'd say it's really, you know, you can really target anybody on there because you're eventually gonna narrow down to your niche audience the algorithm just kind of figures out what you like and then pushes it out. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. pretty interesting. I don't, I'm not really on TikTok. It's just the okay. reels, TikTok, everything. I'm like, it's way <laughs> too much, but I yeah, feel like it's, I see a lot of success on it. So I'm sure. Um, you know, oh yeah. It's working. I mean, even as a consumer, um, <laughs> I have bought so much stuff from just seeing ads on TikTok, not even ads, they're just videos on TikTok, whether it be a brand pushing their product. I actually bought this hair slick, like it's almost like a mascara wand, but it's for your hair. So like your hair, like when you have it, you know, tied back and you have the flyaways, you put it in there. So it tames the flyaways and the product was from Australia. Does and it I didn't work? realize in- I actually haven't used it yet. Oh. I just got it because it took forever to come from <laughs> Australia. But this popped up on my feed from the brand. Never heard of it. I didn't know even where they were. I just saw a video of a girl doing that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need that for when I wear my hair in buns or ponies and I have all those little flyaways. I'm like, that looks like even to throw in your purse, like how convenient. So I immediately went and hit purchase and PayPal them and it showed up finally. But yeah, I've been a sucker of 
some good TikTok marketing. I need that. I mean, as you can see, I literally need that. I always just like <laughs> pour hairspray on like a little comb and then do it. But I feel oh, yeah, like yeah. it sounds more effective or like efficient. Yeah. I'll have to send you the name of it. Yes, please. That's so funny. Um, I feel like I'll have to get more into TikTok. I feel like anytime I go on it, I just, just like dances and I'm like, I don't, I can't learn this dance. I'm a dancer, but like the TikTok dance world is like, oh yeah, a different level of something. Right. I know. Yeah. You have to get on because I think once you start using it more, like you were saying the algorithm, it'll start showing you things you want to see. So I see a lot of, I love Disney and plants and home decor. Um, so I see a lot, a lot of that stuff and it's been influencing me to buy and redecorate. So maybe it's kind of a negative thing. <laughs> Good and bad. Taking all my money. Yeah. But it's, it's really inspiring to watch the way people take 15 seconds and really capture your attention. Yeah. It reminds me of when Vine was viral and it was right. six seconds. Yeah. The thing yep. people were doing with that, I was like, how? I feel like I'm a pretty creative person, but I was like, this is just next level creative. I know. I know. I totally agree. So now you're in therapy. Like you yep. work in, th- you're not, I mean, I don't know, maybe you are in therapy, but like you work <laughs> as a therapist now. Yes, both. I am in therapy and I am a therapist. Yeah. Okay. So what made you want to go into that world? Yeah. Um, well, actually, I started going to therapy, um, I think it was 2017. It was beginning of that year that I left radio. Mm-hmm. And my anxiety just got so loud. Um, I couldn't function. I remember actually being in bed thinking something was wrong with me. Like I had an ulcer or a cyst or something wrong with my stomach. And I went to my doctor and she ran all these tests and God knows what. And it turned out there was nothing wrong with me. She's like, you are so healthy. Um, you just have really bad anxiety and it's, um, kind of manifesting in my body, which connected back in my mind was to when you were asking about working crazy hours in radio is that's when I think it started to really catch up to me. Um, so I started, she suggested, okay, why don't you go to therapy? And I was like, yeah, actually I always really wanted to go to therapy. I just didn't know how to find a therapist. Um, so she's like, I actually have someone great. So she gave me the referral. I made the call the next day. And then the rest is history. I've been with the same therapist ever since. And um, I guess a year, a little over a year into working with him, um, you know, I had a session one week and just as always, you know, how was your week? And I told them, you know, I don't even know like how I'm doing because the week, that particular week, I spent so much time kind of being a therapist to my friends. So I came in and I was like, took a deep breath and I was like, I'm checking in with myself now for the first time in a week because I've been so wrapped up in everyone else's problems, listening, telling them things, and then kind of just trying to quiet that. And he had said to me, his first response was, would you ever do this? And like pointed to himself. And I was like, you know, I've actually thought about it. Um, but I didn't think it was possible because of my entertainment background and my degree was in arts administration, my undergrad. And to be honest, I didn't really know anything about grad school. I'm like, does it have to be the same kind of program? And he's like, no, you can go back for anything. So that put a bug in my head. That night I went home and I researched programs and costs and 
you know, what it would take to actually become a therapist. And there are a lot of times that I just close my laptop and I'm like, nope, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But could you not the next week? I was like, I'm doing it. I'm going back to school and researched and applied. And here I am now on the other side of, you know, I went through a whole program, but that was what pushed me um, to pursue it. Cause I actually had a passion for mental health and from my own experiences, but just from my connection with the people around me. Mm-hmm. When was the first time that you experienced anxiety? You know, I think I have been an anxious person my whole life. I remember back to high school. Um, that was when the, probably one of the first times I thought like, this isn't right. Like every morning um, I would, up until I could drive myself to high school, I would wait for the bus to come. And there was a period of high school where my brother went to the same high school as me, my little brother. And he was just so like relaxed, like in his room or eating breakfast up until like the time that the bus was supposed to come. And I would be standing by the window, like, you know, like that feeling of like butterflies in your stomach, but like to the extreme, like every morning of like, I can't even function. I felt like I was going to throw up on the bus. And at that time I had no idea it was anxiety until probably I went to therapy and realized like, wow, I was really anxious growing up. Um, so that was probably my earliest memory of anxiety. And then I definitely carried that through my adult life up until, I mean, presently I still struggle with anxiety. Mm-hmm. I have struggled with anxiety most of my life too. Yeah, I heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the first time that I, well, at the time I didn't know it was anxiety. Like I actually didn't know I had anxiety until I was maybe in my early 20s. Um, but I had been experiencing it since I was nine. I remember my parents went out to dinner and we had a babysitter come over and I was just panicked that my parents weren't going to come home because they were going to get in a car accident or like something would happen. And I remember just sitting by the window the whole time and little did I know I was having like a panic attack. Um, Mm. and then as I got older, it just got worse and worse. Um, but it took me a really long time to be like, Oh, everybody doesn't experience this. So that was, I don't (laughs) know if you had that same thing where like people didn't understand what you were going through yeah I mean like I was comparing to my brother I looked at him back then and I was like why isn't he freaking out about this and I just thought it was me being kind of like type a like I'm always like all right this is the time I have to be somewhere like very organized but that's also to kind of like manage my anxiety is like controlling what's around me and I didn't even realize yeah until I probably didn't even realize like you until my early 20s when my doctor had told me when I thought something there was something was really wrong with me and she was like no you're you're just really anxious because I think I functioned so long like that I didn't know yeah like you I didn't know that oh other people don't don't walk through life like this Mm -hmm. do you have certain things that trigger your anxiety like have you been able to narrow it down for yourself yeah I have through therapy, I was really able to kind of identify my triggers and um, not avoid them, but know, like, that's the point of therapy is like knowing, all right, if I'm going to be in a trigger situation, what can I do to manage the anxiety? Um, whereas before, or even early on in my therapy process, I was very avoidant to things that would trigger me when I was able to identify, like, okay, this is going to cause me a lot of anxiety. So it's kind of tough because it kind of limits your 
like living. You're like, all right, I can't do that because I'm going to get crazy anxiety. Whereas now I can pretty much move about and recognize like, all right, if this is going to give me anxiety, like for instance, like large crowds give me tons of anxiety, mm-hmm. like um, I wouldn't go to concerts for a period of time. But now I'm like, all right, I'm going to go. But I know that if I get pushed over my limit, that there are things I can do to calm myself down and have control over the anxiety. The anxiety is not controlling me. Yeah. I have the same thing. Huge crowds are awful. And I went, I was the same way. I wouldn't go to concerts. And then I went to Coachella and I was like, this is the place, I guess, to get over this or, you know, figure it out. But it it is interesting when you go into it and you're like, I know that this is going to give me anxiety, but let's see how well I can manage it. Yeah, it's like a test and you get to see your strength. I always say that's when you measure if you're in therapy or you're doing work on yourself um, without a therapist. That's great too. Like that's where you're able to measure your success is in those difficult moments is when you see your growth and you're like, oh my gosh, I would have never been able to do that few months ago or two years ago when you're able to you know ease yourself in a triggering situation Mm -hmm. do you think that if you hadn't had your doctor tell you no you're experiencing anxiety do you think you would have known that that's what you were experiencing I think so I don't think I was like blind to it in the sense like oh my gosh, anxiety, what is this? Like, I pretty much self-diagnosed myself with that. I think on social media, like the movement of like people being more vocal on social media, um, especially celebrities, like someone who stands out for me is Demi Lovato. Like she always has been really vocal about her struggles with mental health. And um, I was really grateful for, especially being in the entertainment industry and connecting with celebrities. Like, okay, they're speaking out and they have a problem. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, so it kind of educated me in a sense of, you know, people aren't, you know, my family's not talking about this. Like, you don't really hear it at school. So it was kind of the environment around me that was educating me. So I was aware of it and I was like, okay, I'm pretty much sure I have this, but it was that official, like someone who specializes in it to say, all right, you have anxiety because I think it was to the point where, yeah, it was so great. People are sharing it like mental health and anxiety and depression, but also the way we just label things like that, like, Oh, this is giving me anxiety or this is triggering or I'm depressed. Like people throw those labels around a lot when those are like serious diagnosis. So how do you know if you actually have one of these things or if it's just like a label because it's popular and people are throwing that around? Mm-hmm. Do you know if in schools now this is being covered more? Um, I'm not sure, actually. That's actually a really good question. I would love to find out if it's more spoken about, especially in like health classes yeah. or, yeah, I don't know. Because even I remember in college, like I really was struggling in college too. Um, but I think I was just so busy and so social. I really like pushed it down. I don't even remember people really being super vocal about it in college back when I was in school. I mean, I can only hope as I see things around us, like on social media and kind of the world around us. Um, like I see ads all the time now, like billboards or things at bus stops. I just want to stop and like take pictures. And I'm like, that's so cool. Like a sign that says like, it's okay not to be okay. Like 
why didn't I ever see that growing up? Like, I like that we're moving forward. So I can only hope that it's being incorporated in schools, especially younger ages. I would have loved probably, I'm sure you could agree and correct me if you're wrong, like to address it and know what it was at age nine for you or for me in high school or probably even earlier. Um, I probably just didn't have self-awareness before then um, of what this is and how to manage it. Just like anything else, you know, you get strep throat and they tell you, you know, drink hot tea and Mm -hmm. take antibiotics. Like, why aren't we educating people in mental health like we are with physical health or other health conditions? Yeah, I agree with that completely because I didn't know for so many years what was happening. And I think it's also important to one, be able to figure out like, oh, what I'm experiencing is anxiety, but two, for the people around you, because for friends and family around me who didn't experience anxiety and didn't know what it was like, a lot of the time the response I would get was just change your mind. Like you're just worrying about nothing. But it was to the point like I, my heart rate was, I'm sure, skyrocketing. I couldn't breathe. I felt like the room was spinning. Um, The best way that I can ever describe when I have anxiety is that it's like the world around me is in fast forward and I'm in slow motion and I can't catch up to it. And Mm -hmm. it's like nobody could understand that. They all just thought that I was overreacting or like, worrying about things that weren't going to happen but there was like a physical thing happening in my body yeah I completely relate to that similar experience in my family as well or the you know you're crazy or you know you put too much pressure on yourself and you know you're, you're bringing this on yourself you're not it's mental wiring in your in your brain mm-hmm. so for Somebody who's like, okay, I think what I'm experiencing is anxiety. What would you recommend they do? Definitely go to a doctor. I mean, even as a therapist, um, I think it's great that people are coming to therapy, but I always, you know, when we do intakes, we review medical history. I certainly talk to my clients, like, have you been to the doctor? Because a lot of times medical, um, things that are manifesting medically can exasperate anxiety or depression or manifest in that sense. So regardless, it's good to get a blood panel. Like people don't go to the doctor enough. I think like it's so important to have like a yearly physical, like check in with your doctor. And I'm so lucky I found a doctor I absolutely love. Um, I was someone who was always afraid of the doctors. And now I'm like, ah, like my allergies are bad. I'm going to send an email to my doctor and ask her like, what's the best over-the-counter allergy medicine? Like I really started to care about my health. And I think when you care about your overall health, like it's important to have a provider you really trust. So a way you can do that is actually Shannon, who was on your podcast, she, she recommended her doctor. So I always tell people like, ask someone you know who has a doctor they like and start there and general practitioners are trained to talk about mental health so you can feel safe talking about it there and ask them for a recommendation or even with therapy if you know you want to go to therapy too like asking friends like trusting in people and asking for those referrals or doing your research but it's just a good place to start by going to a professional because we're we have everything at our fingertips right now it can be a blessing and a curse and a curse in the sense like I was even saying earlier of like 
am I labeling myself as anxious? Do I have anxiety? Like go see a professional. Like it's worth every penny. If you know, I know people don't have insurance or they, you know, it's unfortunate that healthcare and stuff isn't maybe as accessible to some people. I have a lot of friends who don't have insurance and I'm like, please just pay out of pocket if you can, and, yeah. you know, cut back on the Starbucks and invest in your well-being and just go to the doctor and start there. Such a great starting point. Um, could somebody possibly like if they went to their doctor, they were like, oh, this actually isn't anxiety. What you're experiencing is something else. Could that also be a possibility? Yeah, definitely. I mean, in my journey, I discovered um, I had a hormone imbalance. And I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. So that kind of messes with your hormone balance and um, causes you like irregular periods. And like a lot of, that's a whole nother thing I could stand on a soapbox and preach about. But that actually connects with anxiety. So it made sense when we figured out like, and that was, I forgot when that happened a few years after my anxiety diagnosis that's more recent but yeah even just getting a blood test my doctor was like I think you have this and doing some more testing I found out I had that and I realized like oh this is exasperating my anxiety because symptoms of that give you a lot of um kind of like pain and inflammation Mm -hmm. so for me and again connecting all back to the body stuff of like it was giving me tons of inflammation in my body. And when I have inflammation in my body, it causes me a lot of anxiety. So everything always connects back. I, as a therapist, I practice like mind body, like is one. So, and actually my doctor kind of looks in that lens. So yeah, there's a chance like you could have something else that is showing up as anxiety. That makes sense. Um, Especially if something's off. And then if you can get that under control, hopefully your levels could come down and then you can actually also attack the anxiety in that. Direction. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what happened with me. Um, and now I feel like, okay, I have good control, but there was a period where like things were spinning out of control for me. And I had said to my doctor, like, and you have to really advocate for yourself too. Even though I found a great doctor, I find like, you know, they just look at things surface level sometimes and they want to be like, okay, like, you know, next. Like, but she's lucky, um, or I'm lucky, she's patient, and I explain, like, okay, I was doing so good with my anxiety management, like, going to therapy, and I take medication, and, you know, exercising, watching what I eat, taking time for myself, like, work-life balance, but I was like, I'm, something is off, because I could have the best day ever, like, the sun could be, the way I would describe it, I'm like, the sun could be shining, I could, you know, be having the best day ever, but everything felt cloudy inside of me. And then that was when we found out like my hormones were all messed up. And that's what I'm saying. That's like a whole other soapbox for me is I think like women really struggle with hormone balance and that can really, really elevate your anxiety and depression symptoms. Do you think women then in like specifically should get like a hormone panel done if they're experiencing anxiety outside of just like a regular doctor visit? I mean, I don't think it would hurt. Even my doctor had said to me, like, we don't want to jump to conclusions. But I remember when I told her that she was like, oh, interesting. Let's just do a hormone panel and see. And then sure enough, when it came back, it was like all off the charts and messed up and stuff. So I mean, it wouldn't hurt, you know, to do it. And I'm someone who I'd rather be safe than sorry Mm -hmm. and just test everything. And I find ease in my anxiety by knowing like, okay, nothing is wrong seriously wrong with me like I'm 
going to be okay. Like that eases me. Whereas if I have like an unknown, I would probably be (laughs) very anxious and thinking like, ah, I have a brain tumor. I'm dying. (laughs) Yeah. Not that that's funny, but that's where it it manifests for me. No, I get it. The unknown. Yeah. If you don't know, it's very easy to spiral into like worst case situation very quickly. I'm just curious as to what or if there's a correlation between the amount of anxiety um, in women and like what their hormone panel would look like. I'm just, that's an interesting question I've never thought about. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Probably that would probably, I'm not, I'm someone who likes information, um, but I'm not very sciencey. So I'm not good with numbers, but I love like learning about the brain and um, all the stuff that happens in the brain. So it would be really interesting to kind of study that and learn, but I'm sure there's a huge correlation and it's, because I went through it, I'm super passionate about it and definitely want to learn more so I can guide future therapy clients of mine through that process if that's something they're struggling with. Mm-hmm. When you were in um, school for this, did you learn anything specifically that surprised you? Um, gosh, I mean, there was probably so much yeah. in particular anxiety. Yeah. Hmm. Off the top of my head, I want to say no, mm-hmm. but that's probably not true. I'm just like brain overload. They really cram a lot in you during school. Um, so there's nothing right now that can stand out that I can pull off the top of my head, to be honest with you. Yeah. I was just curious and it may be because you've experienced anxiety. So it wasn't like a foreign concept. Um, oh yeah. Cause I mean, I kind of feel like that, like nothing with anxiety surprises me anymore. Um, <laughs> right. but I was just curious from like a, an education standpoint. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of like aha moments of, you know, reading books and being like, that's me. Like uh, I'm that person. So definitely having a personal connection and struggles and going through my own therapy is very helpful because you're able to digest the information probably better than if you didn't because I know stuff I did come across that I hadn't gone through or wasn't as familiar to me was more like out there and in that sciencey land of like this doesn't make sense to me whereas the other stuff is easier to digest if you've experienced it Mm -hmm. do you know if there's like I don't even know how to ask this question. Like, are there (laughs) more common things that cause anxiety? Like that would, if somebody had anxiety, would you be like, oh, you probably are triggered by X, Y, and Z. Like those are very common triggers or is it very specific to the person? Um, in my own opinion, uh, this isn't my like educational opinion. I think it's specific. And I feel like that's what I've learned working hands-on. So I've been seeing clients now for a little over a year. Um, and I'm supervised by licensed clinicians who really give us, like, that experience is way more than any book on my desk could tell me. Of course. And what I've seen show up in my room or heard from my colleagues or my supervisors who've been in the field is it does manifest differently. I mean, there are certain things that I can see that come through as as far as like symptoms manifesting is more similar, but triggers, I think it could be different for everyone. Cause think about even 
like phobias. Like people get mm. scared over way different things than other people. So someone who could walk in my room could be afraid of, um, I don't know. I can't think of anything specific. Like a spider. Like, oh, yeah. Like a spider or like being in a car. And like, for me, I'm like, okay, I don't care about those things. Like I'll go kill a spider. I'll get in my car. Mm-hmm. So um, I mean, maybe same triggers of certain things we see come up a lot, but I definitely think it's very specific because you think about everyone's walk of life and their experiences. And I'm also very much informed in trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so trauma really impacts our anxiety and our story. So even like you and I, we've both had anxiety, have anxiety, but our stories are probably very different and things that impacted you growing up are probably different from what impacted me and why I was anxious in high school or why you were anxious at age nine. So when I look through that lens of trauma, um, I realize like everyone's story is different and has molded them in a different way. So that anxiety could manifest similar, but the experiences and the triggers could differ. Do you find that tools to help with that are also very specific to the person? Yeah, they're very specific, but the way like I've been learned, taught through school and the way I learn, there are like, you know, when you think like, okay, there are five, but all five aren't going to work for you or I, maybe two will work or one will work. And we kind of just try with the client and see what sticks. Like I even know personally, like what works for me and what doesn't. So that again is very tailored to the person. If somebody is looking for a tool right now, what would you suggest? I mean, my top tool that I love to give people is meditation and mindfulness. Mm. And there are so many amazing resources. Um, I actually went through a, I was so connected to this kind of approach and this tool that I did an extra course. Um, just studying for like 15 weeks of mindfulness tools to use in therapy. Um, And there are so many resources, like I was starting to say, you could go on YouTube, there are apps. And the way I suggest people doing them is starting small. So when you think about meditation, you're going to think, gosh, I have to sit there 20 minutes in silence and my brain can't turn off. Okay, well, first of all, you don't have to turn your brain off. That's like the biggest misconception is like, I can't sit in silence neither can I. (laughs) Like my brain is constantly going. Same. Um, Right. So like start small, like whether it be a two minute, five minute, one minute meditation and get in a routine of doing that. So wake up, like have a glass of water, coffee, take your medicine and go sit down and do a meditation. Like find what works for you, but getting in a routine of doing it and starting small and building up and recognizing like it's okay to have thoughts come in and out of your head I always describe them as like your mind's like an ocean and it's like a sailboat like it's just gonna float on by like let it go but it's fine it can be there so don't think people put that pressure like on themselves like I have to sit there I have to have nothing on my mind like no erase all of that um you're fine if your mind is on you're fine if you can't do 20 minutes because we're all busy start small remove that pressure and just start doing it because going back to what I was saying about the brain and how I love kind of thinking in that sense of like chemically is when I took that mindfulness course is we studied and learned how meditation impacts the brain and the more that you meditate it kind of reduces that or 
it does reduce the fight or flight instinct we get when we have anxiety. So you're in a triggering situation like crowds, you want to fight, flight, or freeze, actually. So for me, I'm a flight. I like to leave. So if I'm in a triggering, uncomfortable, high anxiety situation, I'm like, all right, get me in my car. I'm out of here. So where you normally react very quickly, by meditating, you're able to slow down, your brain slows down, and you can breathe and work through that difficult triggering thing. So I get so passionate about meditation and mindfulness because it's proven in the brain to benefit you. So though, think about all the challenges in front of you of like, uh, I don't want to do it or no, do it. Because just like going to the gym and you want to lift a hundred pounds, you're not going to go there and just lift it one day. You're going to start at 10, 20. So it's like that with your brain where you're going to do maybe a couple minutes of meditation and build up to something really big, which is going to overall have an amazing impact, especially with people with anxiety. It's like the best thing you could do and so accessible. Like I'm saying, go on YouTube, go download an app. Like there's so many amazing things. You don't even need to be guided. You could just sit in silence for set a timer on your phone. That's really, I do meditation too, and it's helped me a lot. And I had to do the same thing. I started nice. two minutes and then I was able to slowly like extend the amount of time. But I really like how you just explained it as, because when I first started doing it, I was like, this 15 minutes of meditation is what's going to help me. But it's like, it's not during the meditation that helps you. It's everything that it does for you when you're not meditating. So like when you are in the crowd, you're not panicking the same way you were when you weren't meditating. Yep. Yep. You know, the secret of it, that is like the ultimate magic of meditation. Yeah. You're not going to feel, I mean, you definitely feel there's other properties of it. It grounds you, Mm -hmm. your heart rate is going to lower, um, be present in the moment. Yeah. You're going to reap benefits in the moment of doing it, but yeah, that magic comes after. So when you are in that situation, you're like, I got this. Yeah. I love that. I've never really thought about it in that way. Um, but it makes total sense. Yeah. I'm glad it clicks for you. It's funny. I get, like I was saying, I I'm so passionate about all this stuff. So it's like a jumble in my brain and I like word vomit out. And then I'm glad like it makes sense to you as someone who, all right, you're going through this or you've used these tools that it makes sense to you. That that's awesome. Yeah. I think sometimes people can be talking about the same thing, but one person says it just slightly different. And it that's when you're like, oh, I get this now. I like, I completely <laughs> get it. And yeah. I've meditated for a long time and I felt the benefits from it. But the way you just explained it, I was like, oh my God, that is what's happening with me. <laughs> good, good. Um, so then the other side of that, if somebody isn't experiencing um anxiety but their sister brother father whoever is and they don't know how to help them what would you suggest to them as like a form of how to communicate with them when they're having an anxiety attack or feeling anxious or something like that yeah um I think knowing you know whoever that person is in your life knowing their triggers Mm -hmm. so knowing like all right this is going to be a triggering situation for them so you kind of want to have that talk and that expectation beforehand now certainly you won't know like what all the time when 
you know, a panic attack or anxiety attack or even a high stress anxiety situation will happen. Um, at least you kind of have that plan in place. And I always encourage that. I'm like, make it, make a plan when you're able to communicate clearly, not when you're in this high stress situation. So even asking and having that open communication of like, what do you need when you're anxious? So like, I know for me, when I'm anxious, like I want to be isolated. Like I don't want anyone near me. I just want to like curl up on my couch with my dog and be alone. That's why I say like, I'm such a flight person is like, if I'm not in a comfortable situation, I want to be out of there. I want to be alone, comfy in my own space. So I think planning is what I always encourage people. Plus people with anxiety love plans. So I'm sure an anxious person would love to make, to make a plan with you and be like, all right, yeah, let's figure out, you know, what I need. But other than that, this might sound like simple, but just be there for that person. So maybe they do need, you know, comfort like hugging them or sitting with them holding their hand telling them it's going to be okay or guiding them through some breathing sometimes we just need to catch our breath or go outside so I think that plan for whoever will come into play when you know what works for you and communicating clearly like communication is everything like what you will need in that time but if you're with someone and you don't have a plan like I'm sure I've been with friends who all of a sudden they're super anxious you know, just being with them. All right, let's take a breath. I've been on the phone with friends who've had anxiety attacks. I'm like, just take a deep breath, like sit down. Where are you? Are you safe? Like making sure someone's not in a dangerous situation. Um, water. I, like the best thing when you're like super heightened is like breathing, water, and like being outside if you can, um, because you really want to engage your senses. So that's helpful for someone who, I mean, it's helpful for anyone, but say that you're with someone who is having a panic attack, like, right, let's go outside, like, try to drag them outside, or, or if you can't get outside, like, even being present in the moment, right, what do you see right now, what do you smell, what do you hear, what do you taste, what do you feel, like, that will help them, and you can tell, like, you know, if you're doing, guiding that through with someone, and it's not hitting, like, they're stressed out or agitated, then just go back to breathing with them, and let them know they're safe, I think that's a big thing, too. Mm. That's kind of a loaded answer, <laughs> but it'll be, I'm throwing out a lot of things because like before, not everything's going to work for every person. Yeah. It's kind of almost like you have to, like, you try one tactic. Okay. It didn't work. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah. Okay. Like which one of these is going to unlock the door um, to help them calm down. So I love that. Yeah. Um, do you do anything daily to just like help you other than meditation to just yeah, like to help you maybe feel in control of your anxiety before it happens? Yeah, um, I meditate daily and I journal. I love to journal and just kind of write things down. Of, and people are always like, what are your journal prompts? Like, I don't, personally, I don't do a prompt. I just kind of write whatever is on my heart or my mind. Um, and I do that at the end of my day and I do it here at my desk before I go into my bedroom. So if it's a good day, bad day or anything, I just kind of pen to paper and write down what's on my mind. And I found that, you know, because people who have anxiety, I hear they have trouble sleeping a lot. So they'll get into bed and lay in bed and your thoughts are off the chart. And that was me for a while. And then that just causes more anxiety because if you're not getting rest, oh my God, forget about it. Like <laughs> your anxiety is going to be so terrible. Like there's no way about it. So I have found that to be such a amazing thing is to just unload my brain onto a piece of paper, close it, leave it out here, 
on my desk and get into bed and I can honestly say knock on wood because now I'm gonna go to bed tonight and have like all these thoughts but my nighttime anxiety like looming thoughts are no longer which is just like such an anchor for my day and if I'm ever somewhere like you know there's been times where I'm on vacation or you know not home or ending my day and I'm like I don't want to sit down at my desk and you know write down take out your phone we all have phones like there's notes on your phone use those Mm -hmm. like write it down or even if you're stressed in the moment I just find that writing things down is such a like I have like a million notebooks and lists here like writing things down will help with your anxiety not even if you're going to journal because it takes all that mush out of your brain and you put it on paper and you can see it and digest it that way instead of it circling in your brain that makes so much sense I am not in a good journal routine but every night it takes me forever to fall asleep because it's like I can't (laughs) turn my brain off yeah I'm gonna have to start journaling before bed yeah or even writing a list like again I'm such a person who's like start small and start and then grow bigger so like you did with your meditation maybe just start with a list like write down everything you have to do tomorrow or write down everything you did today um there's something about people I've noticed with anxiety and seeing things on paper that really really helps them so maybe you're not going to write a whole journal prompt or anything like that tonight but just even writing like a little list and closing it and putting it away, oh, you, I'm sure in time will feel the benefits just like how we talked about meditation. Yeah. Do you think that helps? Because you mentioned earlier about the control factor with anxiety. I relate to that a lot. If Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm in control of pretty much everything, I really struggle with it. Do And I'm a pretty big list person. I love my planner. I have to write it down. I don't know how anybody uses the calendar app on your phone. I'm like, you have to physically write it down. Um, But do you think that helps with the control or is that like a different part of anxiety? No, I think you're on the money. I definitely think that's control. And yeah, people with anxiety love control. And that's what I'm saying. People with anxiety love lists and routines. Because think about all that stuff. It gives us control. Like you're looking at your paper planner and you're like, all right, this is what I have to do today because I'm in control of my day. Or looking at a list like, all right, this is what I'm going to get done. It, it all connects back. So even those little things that you're like, wait, this is really to my anxiety. Is this a control thing? Yes. I'm telling you now. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Then I'm just like going to keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> if it works, keep doing it. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So if there was one thing that you wanted someone to take away from learning about anxiety or dealing with it, what would you tell them? Um, kind of what I mentioned earlier of that sign that I saw on a bus, it was actually maybe even a year ago now. And I wish I took a picture of it, but it's okay not to be okay. So I know that's so cliche. We hear that all the time now, like we all have anxiety, we all have mental health stuff, but Seriously, it's okay. It's not going to, you know, break you or um, tear you down and, you know, your world's going to come crumbling down. It might seem that way. And if you're in the midst of it right now and things feel horrible, I mean, I even tell myself this, like, I have bad days. Like, and like I've said and been really open here, like, I struggle with anxiety. I'm a therapist. (laughs) I'm not even perfect. So 
I know though tomorrow will be a new day and that it's okay if I'm not 100% today, I'm going to do all the stuff that fills me up that I've worked so hard to identify that soothes me or reduces anxiety and know that, all right, I'm going to sleep and tomorrow will be a new day and things will hopefully be better. Do you think that like the period between night and morning when you're in rest kind of helps you just reset? Or will you still wake up with anxiety? Um, back before I was in therapy, I would still wake up with anxiety. And there are definitely times where it shows up. Um, during the pandemic, it did for me. Um, but that was that is a whole nother thing we could, again, I'm like, that's a whole nother topic I've got on the soapbox about. Because seriously, we're going to like, this is like a trauma we're all in. So like even our bodies going into this like safety and like, you know, keeping ourselves safe through so much unknown that there was times recently where, yeah, I would have anxiety and I'd wake up with it. But again, it's recognizing like, all right, well, there's a pandemic happening. Um, it, you know, you kind of look at those external factors, but still holding on to hope that tomorrow will be better because, hello, I'm sitting here now and I'm in a really good spot and I'm like, okay, yeah, I did. Maybe it lasted for two weeks, but I got better. Um, but I definitely, for me, and my connection to the mind-body, rest is everything. Like if you're tired, your anxiety is going to be out of control. Your stress is going to be out of control. Like getting rest is so important that I know if I get my solid eight and I wake up, like I'm stressed, I write down my list of what I have to do tomorrow, close the computer, go to bed. I know tomorrow's a new day. And I usually eight out of 10 times wake up and I'm like, oh, like refreshed Melissa, ready to conquer the day. Yeah, that's amazing. I I think it makes sense too. Sometimes if I feel anxiety in the middle of the day, I'll be like, I just have to take a thirty minute nap. Like I ha- I I have yeah. to like reset because like the breathing's not working, the whatever isn't working, and sometimes I just have to be like, I just need to like completely turn off for a minute. Do you feel better usually after the nap? Yeah, usually. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, sometimes I think we're just so tired during the day or by the end of the day, we, we do need to turn off, rest, and turn back on. Yeah, amazing. Okay, where can everybody find you? Um, I'm on Instagram at Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S, Francis, F-R-A-N-C-E-S. And that's, I think that's my handle on everything right now, but I'm mostly on Instagram and TikTok but you could still find me on Facebook and Twitter, but can't promise I post any, <laughs> anything on there. <laughs> I'm going to find you on TikTok. You'll be my first like TikTok. Yes. <laughs> we need to get you on there. I mean, I have an account. I literally just don't, I don't do anything. Well, on there, on there, posting. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, I don't know if you've like heard anything about this, but I recently just saw that if you do red light in your bedroom, it like lowers your cortisol mm-hmm. and stuff. So I put red light bulbs oh. in, my, um, in my lights by my bed and at night I'll turn that on. And oh my gosh, the difference that it makes is insane. Yeah, I've heard of that. And I feel like actually my therapist had a light with a red light in his office. Maybe I'm making that up, but somebody did that and I heard the same thing. I need to try that. Try it. It's like, it feels weird for a second when you first turn it on and then you get used to it. And I was like, I'm never going back to a regular light bulb. So funny. Yeah, that 
that little stuff really makes a difference. Like, I'm glad you brought that up because I did hear that a long time ago. And now I'm like, ooh, I got to do that. Yeah, just try it. Um, and then let me know because I'm curious if you like it. But I, I literally read I about it on like a blog or something. And I was like, I'm going to try this. No, I love little stuff like that. And such a, that's what I'm saying. Like all the little stuff adds up. Like, oh, it works. All right, I'm ordering it. I'm going to make a TikTok about it. And then you would have bought it. <laughs> I mean, you honestly could. People on there would snatch it up. You would need to get like um, it like a, a commission though. You need to have like an influencer page to so get like Absolutely. sales from every like click for the light bulb. Anybody who listens to this and buys a light bulb, can you send me two dollars? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is my Venmo. 